0: Hi everybody, I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week I want you to meet Johnny Bufarhad, the founder and CEO of online events platform that's redefining virtual events and connecting people around the globe. Johnny came up with the idea for Hopin after becoming immunocompromised in 2015 and missing the connection of networking enabled by live events. Johnny started Hopin in 2019 and in less than a year scaled the company to over 3.5 million users and 50,000 plus organizations hosting events. Hoppin replicates the dynamism of live events by providing interactive sessions, breakout rooms, and randomized pairing for networking. The company has been called the hottest startup of 2020 and has surely hit records by reaching a valuation of over 2 billion in just a year after launch. Johnny graduated from the University of Manchester with a degree in mechanical engineering. And right now he's in Barcelona. Welcome Johnny, I'm so excited to have you today. And I I just wanna start with the basics. What is Hoppin in your own words and where did you come up with the idea?
1: Absolutely, so Hopin is a virtual venue with multiple interactive areas and it's truly optimized for connecting and engaging. So allowing people to feel like they're truly at an event, you know, online. Uh, You know, attendees can move in and out of rooms just like an in-person event and enjoy the content and connections that an organizer has created for them. And so overall, the platform has a hybrid function where you could have an event of 10 people in person and 500 online, for example, and stream it and have the data syndicated for the organizer on on both levels, uh, or you can host online only, which is obviously in coronavirus, it's the the main thing that we've known for, virtual events.
0: I want to just make sure everyone knows, you founded Hopin in 2019, well before COVID. And then obviously, like, won the timing jackpot in terms of just transitioning to a fully virtual world. Tell me your thoughts on that. And as you process that each night when you go to bed, how do you think about that?
1: Well, okay. I mean, those are two different questions, but I'll, I can start with how we got to Hopin, how I got there and uh, where we were in 2019. So I actually, Hopin came from a similar situation of what people are experiencing today of being more homebound. Uh, it came from an autoimmune disease that I had. I was stuck at home about four years ago, and I was trying to connect with people. And I realized that LinkedIn is great for cold intros and cold networking and Slack communities were kind of a thing, but it weren't built for it. And Facebook groups are just content. So I was trying to find a way to get warmer intros. Fast forward a bit, and then we end up in 2019, building a product uh, by myself for a while. And by mid 2019, I had recovered from my illness. I wanted to launch it. And we had a ton of traction actually, even pre-COVID. You mentioned that we did exist pre-COVID, but we were in a, what was a private beta. It was similar to superhuman where there was a wait list. And uh, we were building up a lot of traction on the waitlist. It was incredibly viral. And um, I, you know, about 3% of attendees that would attend an event that was hosted on a Hopin would convert into uh, an organizer through a waitlist. We saw the virality. And then obviously when coronavirus came, uh, that's when we went off waitlist mode, went off private beta, and just realized that we had to grow because there was nothing really out there uh, for organizers to, to use other than our product for, for, you know, for h- highly engaging events
0: can you just describe what makes it different than what you and I are doing right now, which is sitting on a Zoom?
1: If Zoom is a meeting area, Hopin is a venue. Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, in your meeting room, it's great for 10 people, 20 people. You're able to, you know, but truly only one person can be speaking at a time. Whereas a venue could have 50 meeting rooms, one stage, an expo hall, a, a bunch of areas where you're able to engage with sponsors, you know, basically, a venue can have a lot more than just one meeting and so when you need to break people out or when you're trying to network one to one with people or or even you know be able to watch multiple stages or go in and out of stages so the, the idea of the of the venue as the model for what happen is has made the product so customizable that as an organizer you're truly able to create any event you want from a conference to a recruitment fair to a expo hall for buyers to buy goods, live shows from vendors. It truly allows you to build any anything any event you want in, inside the venue and it's not just a 20 person call or 10 person call or a hundred person call as you've seen some virtual events are on Zoom where you're, there's only one person speaking at a time. You, you can have hundreds of these, let's say meeting rooms and. Uh, you know, and a lot of other types of virtual spaces, and also the integrations and features that we build for, uh, you know, which are all customizable as well, allow you to do some pretty uh, innovative things in in how you how you want to run your event.
0: I want to go back to a little bit of those early days where you literally built the product as a team of one. How did you approach it as you were building it? How, you know, what were kind of your first principles, or what were the things that were your guiding principles, and? In, again, in the rear view mirror, it seems so obvious, but you actually came up with it again in 2019 before all of this happened. How did you approach your product principles?
1: So, I read the Lean Startup and, uh, you know, somewhere in 2017. And so, when I had started building Hopin, I quickly realized that you can't build a venue because, I mean, the idea was that it's, it's going to be a venue. And so, my product principle was the opposite that organizers should run their event. And therefore, we should build a lot of features that allow events to feel different you know if you're attending one organizer's event in, in a certain industry if you attend another organizer's event in that same industry it should be able to feel different you know the design should feel different the experience should be feel different you know if, if you're if two companies are renting the staple center for their event they're not just going to you know keep it with the def- default branding default feel default you know uh, arrangement of how how the event's going to go so that was the same concept so it, it was the opposite it was uh, the number one product principle I had as I created platform was, you know, build it for the organizer and uh, how an organizer would want, want to run their event, which is essentially infinite options. So build everything with horizontal scale in mind. And that was something that I focused on almost on, on day one. And we continue that till today is whenever we're making a decision on a feature, we're saying, does this only work for 5% of our use case? or can it work for 80%? And if it needs to cross the 80% mark of this will work for 80% plus, that's when we'll implement it. If not, if it's just something that works for 20 to 10%, we will implement it behind a flag. So somewhere in advanced settings, but the core platform tries to solve problems for the majority of event organizers, but customizable enough that they they have their own uh, experience for each event.
0: So let's go back to those early days, you build the product, When did you know it was working? Like, when did you leave the office one day or, you know, wherever you were working and say, holy smokes, like, people like this. What did that look like and describe that for everybody?
1: It was a event for filmmakers that are traditionally hosted, uh, they traditionally host a webinar. And this time they wanted to host a filmmakers event that was more networking oriented. Once they saw the Hopin product, you know, at the time I had to almost pay people to try the product. Nobody wanted to try the product. <laughs> you know, I had sent tons of emails. It wasn't easy for me because nobody knew who I was. Uh, I didn't have any sort of social backing, so or Twitter backing or anything like that. So uh, no investors, no nothing. So I was literally like, "Hey, you really, really should try this." And so many people were were like, "No, sorry." So eventually, I let someone run their event for free on it. They hosted an event. The aha moment was. When people were, uh, this uh, Irish filmmakers convention that they usually host in Dublin, they were able to bring in everyone from around Ireland and they had about three times as much users uh, that attended. What ended up happening was that event happened. It was super successful because they're like, oh, we got to network and watch the content. And I never had to come into the city, like two hour drive away. A lot of people were coming from Cork and a bunch of other places to attend these conventions and even the organizers came back and said that it significantly increased the amount of people that were coming to their physical events because now they you know people were able to meet faces online and then realize oh I should attend in person so that was the big aha moment for me we had multiple events after that that were showing the same thing and the huge moment when i knew this was going to be an incredibly viral product was when i started to look at the analytics of uh, and that was closer to uh, October of 2019, 3% of attendees were converting into organizers, which was a scary uh, but exciting figure for me, who was at the, at the time I was a bootstrapper and I was saying, you know what, I don't want to raise money. I don't like the idea of uh, doing venture capital. And then I, it, when I saw that, I said, oh, oh shit, You know, in order to really jump on the demand here, I'm going to have to raise money and, 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 and move as fast as possible.
0: of your users became hosts, which is just a beautiful thing about your product. Every time you go to this, you say, oh, I should use Hopin next time I have to do something. And then COVID happens where you literally can't go anywhere. What happened next?
1: We had this wait list of over 20,000 organizers on this big wait list. And so we start, COVID happens, we start getting a ton of uh, reach out from a lot of the people on the wait list like, hey, you know, there's a pandemic happening, This isn't like me wanting to beta test anymore or run an event uh, as a experiment to see if it's going to increase our revenue across you know our events playlist now it's. You know, we have no other place to host a decent event, can you please like push us to the top of the waitlist. And this was a recurring theme, we had lots of people actually we had a call where it was like 1am they had an event coming up on Monday, and it was Friday. And they were on our waitlist, but they asked like, this is an emergency, do you mind jumping on a call with us? And so we went on a call myself, and our customer success manager. They were like, we have three days to run this event or we're gonna cancel it and potentially go bankrupt. So we quickly helped them over the weekend, get set up and the event happened and it was a huge success. and Another very happy customer till today, but there was a ton of that. So for us, the mindset was, okay, we're only six people right now. We need to expand as quick as possible and let everyone in from the waitlist. And so that's when we went on an absolute hiring spree we were a remote company and that's one of the best things about remote is that you're able to hire talent from across the world quite easily but if to tell you the truth there was a ton of growth hacking for that month a ton of going on twitter and searching you know looking for job slash rails or as customer support and literally dming people because i knew that would get a quicker response than me emailing them uh, or and me posting on a job board and waiting 24 hours. So I, that, that was the sort of urgency that we had at the time. And I was pretty proud of you know, our, our one-person, uh, well, two-person recruitment team. We also asked for a ton of referrals, but it was mainly me doing the recruiting at the time because people were stuck on 2 a.m., 3 a.m. on, on calls or figuring things out for customers or, or even fixing bugs, to be honest, because you know, we weren't ready for that sort of usage. You know, that we we expanded from, I think in one month, we went from like 12 to 30 without having anyone in recruitment, which was really cool.
0: Wow, oh my God, if I could be a fly on the wall for those few months, Um, I'm like feeling and sensing a lot of like 3 a.m. nights and a lot of just like trying to keep the train on the tracks in a very short period of time, in literally one year, you went from being a tiny company to a company where you're doing ARR in the tens of millions. You recently just closed $125 million Series B last November, led by IVP and Global. What has the last year been like for you? And, you know, companies now value north of $2 billion all in one year. So everybody, we often have amazing founders on this podcast, but that all happened in 12 months. That's pretty wild. What has this been like for you?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, the truth is in November of 2019, I think there was an article where I you know, mistakenly now I looking back at it, it's funny how I said it. I said, I think we're gonna be the fastest growing company in the world next year. And that was before the pandemic, because I saw the viral rate and I said we, we you know, if when when we launch, this is gonna be very intense. Uh, you know, the pandemic obviously pushed that through. But I was kind of in my brain, I, I think I believed that. I, I really truly did at the time. And so this year has felt overwhelming yet kind of expected. Uh, and I think that sounds really bad to say it out loud, but Truly, I came into this year and I mean, a lot of people that work with me probably know that, you know, I, you know we, we came in as a company saying, this is, this is the year we need to move as fast as possible. We need to hire quickly. We need to grow. We need to, uh, we, we need to stay profitable uh, or as close to profitability. We don't want to end up, you know, being a typical hyper growth company that falls off the rails. You know, this is going to be a strong infrastructure here and, and we're going to grow fast. But it has been overwhelming, and I can tell you, as a founder who's never done anything like this before, uh, truly. I mean, the maximum I had managed in my in a previous life was four people, and so for me, there was a ton of learning. I'm still learning every moment of the day. You know, I think uh, the the right word would be uh, like um, you ha- at every stage. You know, and I think you continue to learn as a founder. But I think at every stage, uh, letting go is actually the hardest thing. To uh, being a founder, I think the hardest thing to learn, and that's what probably the, uh, from, you know, the best executives to do best is letting go of a lot of things and trusting and learning how to delegate. As a, as a young founder, that was the m- most difficult thing that I knew I needed to do. But luckily for me, I realized that that was something I had to do.
0: Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on For Starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. If you think about you went from basically zero to 250 employees in an extremely short order, what's your hiring playbook for all the entrepreneurs out there, your remote and distributed team? What are the one or two things that you swear by as you build the team and how do you keep the quality high knowing how fast you've had to move?
1: So there's quite a few things that I swear by for hopping. And this may not work for all companies, Uh, but I can tell you what our some of our principles are about uh, for people in the company. Number one is no ego uh, or low ego. Uh, We have a we we always say it's we're an incredibly competitive company, but not internally internally, uh, you know, no land grabs. No, no, uh, you know, uh, ego is the most important thing. I mean, one good example of that is when you're in an interview, even some of the best people don't talk about themselves too highly. They talk more about the achievements that they've done in the company. And it's very clear if if someone's talking over or talking under. So I would say ego was a big thing for us. When you have a lot of people with low ego, but are highly competitive externally, you know, you end up moving at a ridiculous pace and not stepping on each other as much as you would normally. Uh, Remote has been incredibly powerful for us. I'll give one extra thing that may upset some people, but it has been really useful for us. Uh, hiring in San Francisco or New York, uh, it's something we try not to do. The reason why is because there's a ton of talent, especially if you're a remote company, out in areas that they really want to be part of a startup. They really want to be part of a hypergrowth story, but they've not been part of 100 of them. They haven't been, I don't want to say corrupted, So, but the culture, let's say, when you've been part of 10 or 20 hypergrowth companies, you start, it starts to dilute a little bit the culture. Whereas you know we hired people from wherever they were in the world, and there's some people that are like you know whether it's Turkey, whether like we generally hire from almost anywhere, and so uh, from Turkey to Portugal to you know, Midwest, the Midwest the United States, like anywhere there's good people we will hire, and uh, a lot of those people because they maybe they have kids or they want to live near family or what for whatever reason they didn't want to move to San Francisco or New York, and so. They're very. I mean, we hire from San Francisco, New York. I'm not saying that we don't at all, but I'm saying that we've made an uh, and this is for founder out there. We made an added because these those people are are more likely to one want to stay with your company because they're so excited about the opportunity to be part of a, a a great company that's not based in San Francisco. They're not a second-class citizen or anything else. You know, uh, they're, they they tend to uh, work harder because you know they it's not their tenth time doing it and. And, and and overall, it's just been a huge culture point, culture positivity for the company. So uh, and and diversity. So th- those are it's that's been a big hack for us.
0: I want to just quickly do one thing before we transition to talking a little bit about you and your hacks and your 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 personal kind of tricks for for surviving the last year. But you have a really unique vantage point as somebody in your seat, um, looking at as the world is evolving underneath all of our feet, not just in the United States or Europe, but globally. COVID has changed the entire ecosystem in some ways that are quite permanent. If you fast forward a decade, what is one or two of the things that you just feel are obvious to you, given your perch at Hopin?
1: I think that all experiential events, so concerts, you know, all, all the events where you go for an experience, like like concerts being the most clear example of that, but you could also say a meditation retreat where you're basically anything that requires per, a really deep personal connection is gonna go back to in-person events. I'm very confident that in 10 years, we'll still be meeting up in person for a lot of these uh, experiential events, um, you know, weddings, et cetera. I don't think they're gonna go online. However, the other side of it is that I believe that business events, I believe that uh, accessibility. So I attended, uh, for example, my brother's wedding because I wasn't able to be there, you know, because of COVID, I I was able to attend on Hop and you know it while it being streamed in, which was an amazing feeling that I was like, oh my God, I'm live watching it. I was able to interact with them for a few minutes uh, while while it didn't bother them while they're eating, <laughs> you know. It really depends. Uh, the The point is that I I think that the, the world is truly going to go hybrid in the event sense. I think people are going to attend physical events and especially for experiential based events, but for business or content or you know any events that um, you know, or anything that you can't go to, there will be a hybrid component so people can attend while, while from home if they're unable to be there. I think that's uh, really where where it'll go and there'll be a lot more online only events as well. Uh, if, if we're talking about remote uh, and office, you know, my prediction, and again, it's not worth too much, because I, 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 but from what, what I'm speaking with other uh, founders and uh, it seems like every single company, I, I know at least, is going to allow and, and have people that are able to be remote. Even if they're going to the office, they're definitely going to have a flexi culture for remote and in-person.
0: Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, last question um, on the business. When you fast forward three to five years, where do you want to happen to be?
1: Okay, so I I, I said last year, I had, uh, you know, I said that we would be the fastest uh, growing company in the world this year. Our goal is to build something, you know, as big as Salesforce or, or Google, but something that's that impactful that across events and video and interaction, you know, we are the company that uh, is, is innovative, is not douchey and is Really, uh, a company and a brand that people really appreciate. So, I hope in three to five years, HopIn is truly uh, the number one platform for events, uh, and uh, we we have a multi—you know—we have a few products that people use other than events, uh, such as for connecting with each other and and um, you know uh, being able to build out their their online videos.
0: I love the prediction. I, I I love the big ambitious goal. Um, let's transition a little bit. Um, to you, Johnny what made you an entrepreneur when did you know that this was just going to be your path was it later in life was it earlier in life and where are you from originally
1: so um i'm originally i was born and raised in australia and but my parents are of lebanese and armenian heritage um and and so yeah and but but we did a lot of moving around my dad was an entrepreneur uh you know i i I had lived in sydney and Papua new guinea and in Los Angeles and London, I've, you know, really moved around growing up quite a bit. Uh, what I would say is from an entrepreneurship perspective, when I, w- I you know, I had always been uh, a coder, uh, although not a great one for a lot of, uh, you know, uh, but I, I had always been a coder. And so from 12, 13, I created some small apps. Uh, I created, I was really into, um, WWF when I was, uh, when I was a kid, so I had a forum that people would, uh, post things when i was like 14 there was actually quite a a bit of active users ended up you know growing out of that and then um after that uh it wasn't until university when i had my first ever product it was a small product that i made uh in the second year it was a mobile app ended up selling it for a little bit of money i still thought i was going to go back to the workplace i never thought i would be a a full entrepreneur i guess it was like you get a bit of an i think i had like a mild at the time thought that you know it's not it, you know, it's it's not uh, you know working in the workplace is the best possible thing you could do. I don't know why I believe that. So I even I don't even know why I finished my degree to be honest. Looking back, but anyways, I finished my degree and uh, then I went to work in a company. Uh, I did it for six months and realized this sucks. And I want to uh, be an entrepreneur. And then I got sick and literally for four years I was sick. Uh, that's, I was doing tech consulting uh, while I was recovering and building side projects. That's. Truly, where my story goes.
0: What are your personal hacks? Knowing that you've been through a lot, you're literally the last year has been nuts for you. What are the things that you swear by? And it can be anything sleep, exercise, Saturdays, four hours off. Like, just what are the things that you must do to make sure that Johnny stays sane?
1: I, I you know, for me, I think a big one is personal connection and talking. I love to talk with people. I love to learn. So for me, learning and talking is one of the most important things. Being able to have a conversation with someone, learn something new. That's really, really important to me. I don't like repeatability. So I don't like having to do the same thing every day. So even if I have to do the same thing for a week, I will make sure that I'm learning something somewhere. So no matter how what it is whether it's watching a video that teaches me something or speaking to someone that i know is gonna you know be able to teach me a thing about to whether it's about stocks or or even you know more business related so that uh, learning is a key one for me to uh, stay excited and it also allows i think it's very good for the brain as well obviously in order you know in order to continue playing the right energy but what else i used to meditate when i was sick i stopped meditating now it's also a big debate for me whether or not meditation is good. I think it's great when I I don't know this is gonna sound crazy, but I I think meditation is good uh, for you uh, as your company expands. But in a, in a when you're super when you're trying to manage like six things, you know, like how meditation you're in a call and then you're thinking about three things at the same time. Meditation is great for making you not do that anymore. So you're like focused on the now. But I feel like with Hoppin this year, it was very good that I was thinking about like. I was never, I was like in 10 places at once, which is obviously not healthy and you wanna stop that in your life. So I sometimes feel like maybe if you're an entrepreneur, if you're going through a high intensity moment, maybe you don't wanna be meditating. Like if you know that you need to have your brain in a few places, I don't know, it's just a random thought.
0: If you step back, what are you most proud of um, as you reflect upon hopping, You know, two years in now? What's the moment that you're like, holy smokes, I can't believe that happened, what was it?
1: For me, it, you know, it's it's recently actually that happened is when you know we just made our final hire for an executive team, um, which was a CMO, and uh, we also made an acquisition. And by the time those two were done, I remember looking. At, it was only like a week ago, and I was looking at it, and it was probably the first time. Uh, and I looked through like the customers, like we had like a end of year sort of like, you know, this is what we achieved type thing. And looking back at that, and I, I felt incredibly proud. Uh, number one, by the culture and team that we had created. Two, by you know, end of year, you know, uh, a great company has joined us, and also the executive team we've hired are really great people that share the low ego and you know, um, you know, high intensity sort of. So it was just, yeah, I'm just super proud of the overall experience. I know that there's not nothing specific, but in, in general, just overall, I'm super proud of it.
0: I love that. When you think about one thing that you want to get better at, what would you say that is?
1: Oh, there's, uh, there's a ton of things. I mean, uh, one of the big ones is patience, you know, is that's good. Uh, you know, I think I've for this year, I've proved it. Okay. Uh, is the ability to, uh, like push things forward and make them happen instantaneously. But some of the best things, uh, I think, uh, this is what I predict are, uh, you know, something that you like sprouting a a tree that grows over like five years. And I think, you know, that's something I don't do as well. Like I constantly want to see results now, maybe I'm, you know, of the millennial culture of uh, instant gratification. So I I believe I need to get much better at uh, being able to plant something for three years without seeing, let's say, instant results
0: yeah I struggle from the same so, so I I appreciate that Johnny um and then my my last question that I wanted to ask is I have heard from many people that you are probably one of the hardest working founders that you truly are 24/7 you take calls sometimes at 2 3 o'clock in the morning how do you sustain that
1: I also don't want to live because I remember when I used to watch a bunch of entrepreneur videos when I was sick I used to look at these things and like people would be like, I wake up at five, I get three hours sleep. I don't think it's that, you know, I, I, if I, if I do that for five days in a row, then the sixth day I'll probably on, on a weekend sleep in for sure. I would say if you look at an average week for me, even maybe in hustle time, like when it was really severe, I was sleeping only four and a half to five hours a night, but overall, I'm most of the time sleeping seven hours, uh, average, um, and, uh, I do work super hard. I. I, and at the time, I was, I, you know, especially till, till today, you know, I wasn't, I, I don't take as many breaks as I should. I'd eat lunch in front of the computer, eat breakfast in front of the computer, you know, that sort of stuff. So you can like create more time in front of the computer if you need to. Uh, but overall, you know, sleep wise is important. I think you don't do well when you're not sleeping enough. Uh, so, uh, and, and I, I basically removed everything that you're supposed to be doing, uh, like talking with friends, going out, maybe, uh, you know, watching random YouTube videos as people do. I try to remove every single one of those and, and fill them with Hopin. I mean, and this would be, if I could leave a note on this, cause this is something that maybe I've noticed that I do a little bit differently than some other founders. You know, it, it, there's often times where you're gonna make a call and you know you need to make the call. Uh, and so you push it to the next morning because it's 7 p.m. your time and you're like, uh, you're busy till 10 p.m. So you're like, I'm not gonna have it at 10.30. Well, for Hoppin this year, it was very important for me. And I look back and I say, it's, I used to push those calls. Like I would go up to 2 a.m., 3 a.m., like you said, because for me in my head, I'm like, if I take that call at 3 a.m., if I do enough of this, I've bought myself maybe an extra day because by the time you, know, you push, if you're pushing everything by to a new day, you're kind of like, you're creating, I've created maybe two hours extra each day, and that creates one more eight hour day to uh, kind of use in the week. So for me, that was actually like a a, a hack, which I, I guess it's not a hack because you're just spending more time in front of the computer, but I remember that what allowed us to go much faster by just pushing everything into the same day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the power of now. It's a great thing. Just do it now and get it done. Um, okay, Johnny, we're gonna go into a quick fire round, um, really fast, last questions. It's Sunday night you're looking at your schedule, you're very excited about something. What's happening at Hopin that gets you just absolutely revved up on the weekend where you are so excited?
1: Product features, no doubt. When I know what's coming up and what we're launching for Tuesday of the week, because usually it's Tuesday, that's the sort of thing on Sunday where I'll be sending a ton of messages to the product manager or or the person running it. Like, how does that work? Wow, this is fucking awesome. Oh, sorry, I don't know if it's (laughs) working.
0: It's okay. Uh This is fucking awesome. Uh, I love it. Um, when you um, are interviewing somebody, what's your favorite interview question that you like to ask, or that you just feel like gets to the heart of whether or not that person should be at Hopin? You
1: know, if I asked a colleague about you, what were what would what would they say? Uh, that's the most common question that I ask, and typically, if it's overzealous you know you know you can tell anyone can tell if it's uh if if someone has an ego from that if they're uh maybe they don't have an ego you know it depends on the way they answer it and also you know how they see themselves in the world because you you can you know especially for a lot of these hires you're going to either have references so you're going to know what the colleague said or what people usually say so especially for executive hiring in in in, or leadership hiring you're going to have those references and then they're going to tell you what they think and if there's no no negatives in it or if when you ask them what's something negative and then they respond with a negative that's actually a positive, you know you know what's happening here.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, you're very wise, Johnny. Okay, fast forward five years, how many days a week do people work in offices?
1: You said offices, so I'm gonna say, uh, I don't know because I'm hoping that, I, I think people will be more remote. But if you're asking me about virtual offices, I think five, f- five to six days a week because I think unfortunately that's the thing about Slack. Uh, And and running your office online you're kind of dragged in, and so you tend to work a little bit more days, but maybe not as hard on those days. So I actually sometimes I joke around that the perfect work week should be seven days, but in those seven days you can pick and choose the blocks that you want to work and not so maybe you're working. uh, Maybe only I mean maybe only working four hours or five hours uh, or three hours in a day, but it's over seven days.
0: Spoken like a hugely hardworking executive there. Um, Last question. Other than Hopin, what's one startup you want to give a shout out to? It can be any startup, but it's got to be early. A new product, a new anything that you like right now?
1: Ah, There's a product called Nomio uh, that turns uh, your contracts into data. I really like it because I'm able to forward an email uh, directly to Nomio, and it will take whatever the content of the attachments are, and then uh, using AI, it kind of like becomes your company's storage for all attachments. Uh, and, and it's super easy to use. So I'm a big fan of Nomeo.
0: Oh, I love that. All right. First of all, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody out there, if you haven't already used Hopin, you've got to check it out at hoppin.com. And please join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Johnny, the biggest thank you. You are such a star. Well,
1: Alexa, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.